Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 208 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, coming to you solo today. Um, Fong is simply not available, um, so I'm going to run by myself on this one. Um, yeah, I've been trying to actually schedule with him <laughs> this entire week, but he's been busy. Um, we just haven't been able to align our schedules, unfortunately. That's why there was no episode uh, really until now, but hopefully you enjoy this one. Uh, topics that I'm going to be covering in this episode to talk a little bit about the signings that the, the Kings have made. They signed Ken Bazemore. They signed Quinn Cook. They signed, they signed Sam Miro. Um, and also they hired, um, well, they finalized, I guess, is more of the word, uh, three more assistant coaches or in play, player development. Uh, De'Aaron Fox getting married, uh, the demolition of Arco, and in national news, uh, the KD trade request and how uh, there was an ultimatum that was reported to have happened. Uh, we'll see how that uh, plays out, but uh, let's get started. So, uh, so the Ken King signed uh, Kent Bazemore. Now, for those of you that don't remember, Kent Bazemore, he was traded here um, at the 2019-2020 uh, NBA deadline, and he was really good for us. Like, he was, you know, you hear the stories from James Ham. He was a great presence in the locker room like really kind of galvanized the guys and like remember the t the team kind of turned around towards the end of towards like the latter half of that season before uh the covid before the covid epidemic hit or pandemic hit and they were rolling and like they were playing some really good basketball and a lot of that can be attributed to Kent Bazemore during that time um so like it's it's actually refreshing to see him come back and you know let's also mention he was actually good on the court as well so, like, you know, his words, like, they resonated with the young guys. And he galvanized. He really kind of, I don't want to say he led the turnaround, but he was a huge factor in that turnaround until, you know, the pandemic hit. Um, it's good to see him back. I think he's still a decently serviceable player for the most part. Like, he's not going to be, he shouldn't be your backup three, per se, I don't think. Like, but, you know, it. You know, in cases where, like, say, Harrison Barnes is injured or something like that, he can be kind of the break glass of emergency type player. Like, if you just need a guy to kind of fill in 15 or so minutes, I think at the three or, like, you know, the two spots actually kind of filled. So I don't think he'll play much there. But, you know, one of the biggest issues is the Kings don't have a backup three. Now, I had kind of advocated, like, a backup three, you know, Cam Reddish. That's who you should, like, that's the archetype you should go for. But a guy like Cam Reddish might not love the idea of coming off the bench. They're going to want to, like, prove themselves and do more. Uh, and, like, they might, they're not, they might, you know, get frustrated being in a backup role to Harrison Barnes. But, like, a guy like Cam Bazemore, he, I assume at this point he's not expecting to start. Like, it took him this long to get signed. And, you know, he's kind of he's kind of not been great, the, you know, since he's left the Kings, basically. I think he joined the war. Yeah, he joined the Warriors uh, last season or two seasons now. And then last season he was on the Lakers he, and like he basically was relegated to the bench for much of the second half of the season. So he's not been great. That does. I don't want to say that concerns me because the leadership factor, we always talk about like the leadership factor, how, you know, Iman Shumper was, you know, like the gold standard for leadership within the Kings locker room and how that was able to galvanize the entire, like, uh, roster and to just play above their heads. And, you know, 
one of the reasons why he was able to do that was not only his leadership ability, his personality, his swagger, but he also played on the court. And that is important because it's nice to have a guy like, you know, giving the guys pointers, being a leader in the locker room. But there, it only helps so much when he's like, you know, only talking from the bench. Like there's a little bit of just, I don't want to say disrespect to that, but like, you know, it's, it's just better when the guy is also like in the trenches with like the main guys, like in the rotation. So I don't see Ken Bazemore playing a lot. I think he will play most games. Like I, 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 env- I envision he actually will be above like, you know, Chemezi Metu, for example, in the in the in like the rotation just because that's positioned like the two three like the three specifically even though Bazemore is a is kind of small for the three he's got a long wingspan like that's a position of need for the kings and and you know like in case like you know there's an injury that happens to say Kevin Herter Keen Murray or Harrison Barnes like if one of those guys goes down like Kim Bazemore can kind of fill in say 10 minutes at the position and then just have two out of the three, hopefully, that aren't injured, like, fill in that spot. Like, he's he's a guy that doesn't need to play. And if he plays, like, hopefully doesn't hurt you as much. Because, you know, I've, I listen to Warriors fans kind of complain about him. Like, take some questionable shots. Uh, fouls, like, fouls like a motherfucker. Like, he, 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 get, he, has some, he has some shortcomings. And, like, if you're relying on him to, like, really be able to contribute... Yeah, it might be in for a long. It might be in for a rude awakening because he really isn't that guy anymore. But I, re- I really love the signing actually, just as a guy that, you know, in case you know, break glass in case of emergency, can play some minutes at the three, and you know, won't be looking to do too much. Hopefully, and you know, the you know, if he can provide any sort any sort of leadership in the locker room, it's it's all bonuses. I love the signing and. Let's see if he make it, makes it through training camp. There's actually, you know, like we're penciling him into the rotation. There's a chance he might not make the roster because Kings have signed a lot of people. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a bit of a bloodbath in, at training camp. And we'll see how all this plays out. But overall, I like the signing. Uh, I I want to see, like, you know, how, the, how, like, training camp shakes out. Like, I guess, you know, survival of the fittest. And you can't really complain about that. You can't really even say this about most king's rosters going into training camp like you have a lot of guys that go that you know end up like coming out of training camp on the roster yet that you're just saying yeah you're not you're you wouldn't be on any other roster other than the kings all these guys like i feel for the most part belong on an nba roster like quinn cook matthew dodova and like kim Bazemore. i think they're i think if given a chance they can be rotational players and like they're and like we'll see how training camp like plays out. Like hopefully these guys aren't washed, but at least these guys theoretically can be rotation players in the right situation. And the Kings could be that situation, and we'll see. Uh, another signing that they make, uh, they sign Quinn Cook, um, despite already signing Matthew Matthew Della Dadova. Jeez, that's actually a surprisingly hard word to say. Um, so they were, I guess they're really trying to you know have. A competition of sorts for the third point guard position. You have Davion and De'Aaron there, of course, for the for, for the one the, the one of the two. Like you in the point guard uh, in the point guard depth chart, and I guess they're just gonna sign both guys to essentially training camp deals. And like if they make training camp, they get a little bit of a bonus. Like they're just gonna you know like sign both uh, Matthew Dellavedova and Quinn Cook. 
um, just to have him kind of, you know, I guess, fight it out in training camp and see how it goes out. And like both guys bring different things like Matt Deladova or let's call him Deli. Deli is like a better defender. And like there were some clips that some some people that I saw on uh, YouTube by Brendan Nunez still pretty decent on defense, like an absolute pest on that end and, you know, plays hard as hell and just like brings that level of hustle and energy like on, on the defensive end. And I'm like, you know, Mike Brown 100% love that shit. And, there, you know, he can provide something if he joins the team. Not a not a really good shooter. He, I think he shot like 36%, but like the form is janky as hell. I, I just don't trust it. Like I know it's 36% sounds nice, but he's really like a, a low, a low mid thirties in my opinion. Like his form is just so weird. And well, I, I don't know about his offense, but like he definitely will try to bring it on defense. The question with him is like, is that going to really is, can he guard NBA guys? Like oh, he played like in Australia and he was able to kind of lock up guys in the Olympics. Like it's a different, it's a different level of competition in the NBA. So I don't know if that'll like perfectly translate, but you know, he'll at least try really hard. And I hope the Kings fans don't turn on him and like, like they did with uh, Corey Joseph because Corey did try. He just, he just, he was just too small and just couldn't really bother guys, uh, you know, as like other, as you know, as they would have liked, um, I guess. Um, but Quinn Cook is a guy like, He's not as good defensively. He is going to be, you know, for lack of a better term, he's going to be food for the most part. Like, guys are going to try and attack him, like, on on defense. And, you know, hopefully he holds up decently. But his offense is, I think, a lot more consistent, a lot better overall than uh, Delhi. And I think, like, you know, this team, I guess, like, you can never, you can never have too much shooting. Like, you could, like, basically signing Quinn Cook, you can always have a lineup where with either Sabonis or Fox where like you're always going to have shooters and spacing around them. And like, you know, half the battle, half the battle is like, you know, being able to produce a good enough offense and like, you know, making sure you make a lot of shots and just making the other team take the ball out of the net. Like that's half of defense. And, you know, like sometimes, you know, the best thing you could do on on defense is make sure the other team is getting the ball out of the net and just you know like that could be a present that could be like the start of a good defense <laughs> like as weird as weird as that can sound like you know i think Quinn Cook can definitely service as like the third point guard like even play like maybe 10 minutes although like if if Dearon and Davion are healthy i don't see him getting any minutes and hopefully he's okay with that but, like, he's definitely a guy, like, you know, in case, like, you know, I'm not saying I want this, but, like, in case one of them just, you know, is out for a certain amount of time, I think Quinn Cook can definitely serve as, like, your initiator, your kind of, like, offensive spacer, and hopefully he just holds up on defense. But, like, I, I really liked him on the Warriors, and, like, you know, he he's a decent enough player to be on an NBA roster. And, you know, we'll, we'll see, like, who wins the battle here um, in training camp, and, if I were to put money on it, honestly, I would probably want Delhi to be honest, just because Delhi brings that defensive intensity. And like this team is very kind of heavily shifted towards like offense of, you know, they need they need more people to play defense. And but, you know, like the point guard position, like that having good defense there, it helps, but it's probably not the most important part. They need like more defensive wings of anything. 
and we'll see like if they can well they're not gonna look for any more because their entire like uh their entire roster's filled up now they have 20 roster spots there are that they've basically signed guys to and you know they'll hash it out in training camp and see how it all goes but like it seems like they've definitely they've definitely addressed their shooting issues and it's just you know how much you can get on defense like how much can mike brown get out of these guys on defense and like Hopefully you just survive well enough on your offense and kind of let the defense kind of come along. And we'll see if that could be, you know, that could be like just that could be possible like during the season. Um, okay. And then also the Kings signed Sam Merrill. Um, I looked over his stats. Like the first thing you notice, 40% from, from three. Although I think he shot like 27% or like somewhere in the 20s like last year. But like the thing I noticed with him, he didn't get a lot of playing time. Didn't get a lot of like, just didn't get a lot of consistent minutes, I, I think, and just could not get him rhythm in a second year. But like, you look at kind of his college film, you look at it, like just the his stats from his first year, like where he got more minutes. He's a shooter, and like, th- that's what like this team is looking for. They're just looking for shooting, and he's he's a decent size. He's a good six five. Like, he can probably bring something to the team, and like, you know, as the as the roster's fifteenth man, like. It doesn't hurt to have like another guy that can shoot and maybe can contribute a little bit like, you know, whenever called upon, like he could be like a, a surprise player who like every now and then just gets a little hot and like just makes shots and is serviceable on defense and like can go on a little bit of a run when he gets in the game. Like, you know, it, it, I don't really have that much expectation for him. Like who knows if he'll even make it out of training camp. But, like, it's another good signing, like a good 6'5 guy, like, who can shoot. You can never you can never have too many of those guys, if that makes any sense, you know. Um, that's basically it for the rosters that I have on the notes. Um, like, I, I like these signings. You know, they're going to hash it out in training camp. And, you know, may the, strong, may the best player come out of training camp. Um, and, and other Kings news. Um, so the Kings have finalized um, their – uh development the player development department uh by hiring i guess three fi- really finalizing in my opinion uh the three development coaches uh dutch or assistant coaches dutch gately lindsey harding david davidas dolks dokies oh boy i should have looked up how to pronounce that but uh yeah so they've added these three assistant coaches to the uh, player development staff and you know um, I would be lying if I knew like if these guys are good. Lindsey Harding, from what I've heard, has been really good, and I'm glad she's staying. I don't know anything about Dutch and Davidas. Like we'll just have to see if like they're any good. If players, you know, if the players um just sorry my my computer just <laughs> glitched out for some reason. That was weird. Um, if like he just if. You know, we'll see like how the young players develop, like guys like Keon Ellis and uh, and uh, Namias Kata, like how they develop and like, you know, the development of the of the other players as well. Like how does Davion develop and like all the young guys like it's hard. It's always hard to track development, but we'll see how this goes. Um, I have no real opinion on it. Um, that's just something that happened. <laughs> OK, uh, moving on. Um, just want to quickly congratulate De'Aaron on getting married. A lot of uh, players and, and like um, executives and like yeah front office people uh, were at the wedding. Like Mon- Monty McNair was at the wedding, which that surprised me. A lot of players were at the wedding as well. Like Harrison Barnes was at the wedding. Um, that that was all I was able to spot. But that's really cool. Congratulations on De'Aaron uh, on getting married. 
Um, okay, last piece of King's news. Um, so the demolition of Arco has, I guess, begun. The, uh, the Kings showed pictures of just um, they're demolishing the um, site, the building, and I'm guessing they're turning it into a hospital. And I'm curious to see how that um, how they build it. And uh, yeah, it's been going on for a lot of years, but it's finally happening. Um, in terms of Arco memories, um, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before, but I actually I've actually not been a Kings fan for that long. I've actually only been a Kings fan since about 2018. And, you know, um, Arco was, or no, the Kings moved to the Golden One Center, I believe in 2017 or 2016. I think 2016. And um, yeah, as I, as I said, I only really became a fan in 2018, which means I was I didn't really pay attention during the Arco era. Although, you know, my first game, like credit, you know, got to shout him out. He's not here, but like Fong, he actually invited me to, a Kings game, and it was I. It was Knicks versus like the Kings, which was really random game to bring me to. Uh, we actually won that game, which was really cool. And then we uh, and then we went to one where uh, Miami versus uh, the Kings. That was like during the like latter part of the season, like when the team had basically kind of quit on George Carl. And you know, like you know, I watched a young Seth Curry, like you know, you know, Kings legend Seth Curry, like was pretty big in that game so yeah Arco memories I do remember the seats being kind of like really icky like it was you know like really cheap plastic seats like the like I just remember that like the level being really low if that makes any sense like I've heard like it's not a great arena I, I haven't been to enough arenas to really be able to tell you but golden one is definitely better <laughs> like there's no debate there um that so that's really all for my Arco memories like it's kind of sad that you know there's a lot of history behind uh just the behind just the building and like how the Kings like had their best years in that building. And it is kind of sad to see it, can't see it get demolished, but you know, it's, it's the end of an era. Like sometimes you just have to move on and hopefully the Kings build more memories like in, you know, coming uh, in the future. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Like sometimes you just can't, sometimes I just can't like get the words out. Like it just have a little bit of a, like a bottleneck in my brain. And I just can't, can't form words, but yeah, hopefully we build some good memories like, you know, like this year we're aiming for the playoffs and hopefully we get a playoff game in Golden 1 Center. Like it's been 16 goddamn years. It, it's about time. Like as at a, at a certain point, you can't suck for this long, right? So, yeah, you know, kudos to um kudos and sayonara to Arco and let's look forward to the future. All right. Let's talk about this KD thing. So um, Shams tweeted out that K- KD and Josiah had a meeting, and KD basically like had gave out an ultimatum. It's me, or Sean, basically, or how, how should I word it? Basically, fire Sean Marks and fire Steve Nash, or I'm gone. That's basically the ultimatum. Now. Like no, like normally, I'm I'm of the I'm of the mindset that you always kind of like with a guy like KD specifically. It's a very select club of people you do this for. It's LeBron, KD, and Steph probably are like the three guys you do this for. That you just you just cater to all their needs and just try and keep them happy. And you know you don't you don't question it. You just you just do it. 
because like you're not you're like the chances of you getting such a transformational player a generational player like that are so slim that you have to just you have to keep them in your building that being said um there's there was also a quote in there saying that he doesn't he doesn't trust in the direction that the the team is going now whose fault is that is that is that Sean Marks's uh, fault is that Steve Nash's fault is is did, did they like you know make all the bad trades that they have made since did did he did they sign was it their idea to sign DeAndre Jordan was it their idea to trade for James Harden like no it wasn't it was fucking Kevin Durant and Kyrie's idea to sign DeAndre Jordan and to give and to you know start him over Jared Allen for some reason like Yes, normally cater to anything like the, the like the generational talent wants. But KD has a track record of being a very, very shitty GM. In fact, most players are very, very shitty G- GMs in general. But KD has been like really, really bad with some of his thing, like things. Like if you like if you pay attention to how he drafts like his All Star teams, like they're always really bad. It's a bunch of guys who. You know, all they want to do is shoot, don't really care for setting up other people. He drafts hoopers. And like, yes, in a certain in a certain context, like in pickup games, that works, and which is what the all-star game ultimately is. But like with so much talent, you gotta you gotta worry about the fit. And anyways, my my point is KD's a really bad GM. And he's basically kind of ruined this team with a lot of his demands. And you know, I listened to Dunked On and basically this is how, this is basically how it went down. Like, KD is basically blaming Sean Mar- Sean Marks for and Joe Sy for taking him to the candy store and letting him have all the candy, and now he's sick and fat. Like, it, that's basically what he's complaining with because most of the issues that have kind of caused them to like end up at this point are KD and Kyrie related. Like. Should, like the DeAndre Jordan stuff, whatever to a certain degree, because like, oh, you have Ky- Kyrie and KD, you pay the price to, to you pay him like in order to keep them happy. That's fine. Trading away Jared Allen, that wasn't great, but ultimately they got they got James Harden in that deal, and like people do forget, like it's been about like a year and a half. Like they were about it. Like if you know if Harden has a healthy hamstring, if Kyrie doesn't, you know like essentially shatter his ankle, like injure his ankle, they probably win the title. They were absolutely like demolishing the Nets before Kyrie got injured. And like, again, that's even without a healthy Harden. And Harden came back, but like legitimately had one leg. Like, and they all, and they just about beat the Bucks. Now you can make an argument like they could have, they might have not been able to make it past the Hawks, but the Hawks were not a good team. Like they weren't really. And like, they were that close to winning a championship. They really were. People tend to forget that, like how how badly last year went. So like the James Harden stuff, I get. That's fine. But at the same time, like to say that, like, oh, I'm I'm not sure about the direction that this team is going after the James, after you know, the Ben Simmons trade. Now, I'm like some people are still talking to them, talking about them as like championship contenders. I don't think they are. But they're not far off. Like, they're a tier below the Celtics, I think. Like, I know Ben Simmons will, like, alleviate a lot of the issues they have, particularly on defense. 
And that's what that's what last year's kind of boiled down to. Like they just they, they had offense, but they just didn't have any defense. And Ben Simmons will help a lot with that. I don't think they beat the Celtics like with that even with Ben Simmons, but you know that's just me. But ultimately, like my point is, KD has like basically kind of dictated what happened. And the fact he's coming back and saying he's not confident with the direction that the, the Nets are going is ridiculous. I, if I was Joe Sy, I would have told KD to eat shit, eat shit, because this is your fault. This is not Sean Marks' fault. Sean Marks is a good GM. Like before KD came, he managed to take them out of the dark ages of like the KG and Paul Pierce trade, where they gave up all their draft picks, and like Paul Pierce and KG were washed, and their team was shit, and they, he had no assets to work with, and somehow dug them out of that hole to, you know, create a very very good culture. Um, and like a pretty a pretty scrappy team with like D'Angelo Russell at the helm. Like they had a very they had a decent team like before uh before Katie and Kyrie came in. Like honestly, had they not made the James Harden trade, but had they not made the James Harden trade, they probably would actually be better off right about now. Cause they, you know, you would have Jared Allen, a great rim protector, you would have Spencer Dinwiddie, and like, you know, they're all good players. And, you know, they might have won a championship anyways. But you know, like if James Harden's available, you you get him and again. Had the three of them been healthy, they probably run away with the championship. But at the same time, like at this point, you're kind of stuck where you are. And KD, in like KD, kind of like saying that he, again, saying that he's not confident with the direction, just shows a very a huge lack of self awareness with him. Like not understanding, like you just, you know, you guys like. The reason why, like, they're in this situation right now, a lot of it is because of Kyrie. And you, you got to be able, like, we don't even know this, like, if he, how much he, like, is, isn't, like, vibing with Kyrie or if he is vibing with Kyrie. Like, a lot of this is on Kyrie. Like, just, not, you know, him not getting the vaccination, just kind of screwing the team and then just essentially throwing everyone else under the bus. Like, that's the issue. You you. You decide to team up with just one of the most unreliable, most erratic personalities in the league, and now you're just paying the price for it. Like, this is on you, KD, if anything, and for, like, choosing to team up with him and, like, saying that they're, they're a package that you have to, tr- that, you know, if you're going to get, if you're going to get me, you have to take on Kyrie. And, like, I get the no- negotiations uh, with Kyrie of, like, basically saying if you don't play a certain amount of games there or like there's going to be incentives to play certain amount of games and Kyrie didn't want that like what does that say about Kyrie like he just knows he's gonna miss a bunch of games like I don't know if it was injury related but like like last year he just took he just took like a two weeks off for no reason like you know if you are suffering if he is suffering from like some mental health issue go get some goddamn help then like I don't I don't know what the hell is it is with him but the idea that, you know, K- Katie doesn't want to be there anymore, I think is ultimately, like, I get the player empowerment stuff, but homie just signed a four-year extension. You're going to have to sit this, you're going to have to play for the Nets for now because there is no real, like, great package that they could actually trade for. Although, I think the Jalen Brown package intrigues me. Now, if you can get another piece along with them, like, like a Marcus Smart, like Derek White isn't enough. You probably have to get another piece in there. If you can get like Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and like, you know, however many picks, like one or two draft picks, I would take that package right now. 
Granted, if I was the Celtics, I don't know if I'd do that just because, you know, KD just isn't healthy a lot. And, like, he's been injured a lot during the last two years. And, of course, he missed that first year. Like, you just you just don't know, like, if he's going to be healthy. And, like, you just traded for Malcolm Brogdon, who is notoriously not healthy. Like, you give up a lot of depth that way. So, if I was the Celtics, I would actually keep Jalen Brown. But, like, if that package is on the table, I would take it right now, honestly. Because, like, Jalen Brown is a really good player. And, like, you know, the Nets don't want to tank because <laughs> the Rockets have all their picks. Um, by the way, Rockets signed Willie Colley's nine. Shout out to Willie Colley's nine. Good to see he's still in the league. Um, but, like, yeah, the Nets don't want to tank. Like, you know, Jalen Brown will keep you from tanking, basically, because he's really he's really good. And if you can get another piece along with him, like, you, you know, that's probably going to be the best you're going to do unless, like, you know, Scotty Barnes, like, is in a package. Although, I'm not... I, I like Scotty Barnes. I don't know why he's the guy you would balk at if you wanted to trade for Kevin Durant because you're getting Kevin fucking Durant. <laughs> like, Scotty Barnes is probably going to be a really good player, but so? It's not going to be KD? Like, I, I don't know. I, I think I think he's been a little bit overrated. Although, I'll be honest, I don't watch enough of him. And, like, when he played against the Kings, it's when he played against the Kings, the team was beating the shit out of the Kings. And he didn't have a lot to do with it he didn't really need to do anything else so didn't re- didn't really impress me but he is a really good player and I, I do like him um but yeah this whole KD saga it's just ridiculous like the guy had the guy got everything he wanted and now he's still mad and like doesn't seem to understand like it it's a it's a situation of your own doing and like this is where I think the team has to push back like if I was Josiah, like, I, I listened to Dunk Don and, like, you know, Nate Duncan said, like, you would just fire Sean Marks right now. Honestly, I don't know. I don't I don't want KD being the GM of my team. I don't want Rich Kleiman, his agent, being, the being like, the GM of my team because they don't know what they're doing, clearly. And, you sh- and they shouldn't listen to him. Like, it's just, it, it's schizophrenic to me, like, that they're just, that, like, a guy that just, got that the GM did everything he wanted and now he's blaming the GM and the rest of the team for the situation that they're in right now. It's just, it's just really a lack of self-awareness and a lack of accountability with him. Now, but again, he is the, he is one of the best players in the league and he has the, he has the leeway to do this. This is one of the rare situations by where I'm just saying, keep Sean Marks and find a trade package for KD. Like, again, if Jalen Brown is on the table, I would take Jalen Brown right now because that's probably you're the best you're going to get. You're going to lose this trade. It's it's in, it's inevitable just because it's Kevin goddamn Durant. But, you know, the best you can do, get a great package for him and just live with the consequences of, like, just having to trade Kevin Durant. Jalen Brown and Ben Simmons can carry you into the next generation, I guess. Yep, so that's my thoughts on the situation. Um, alts, do, do I think KD will get traded? Probably not. But if he were to get traded, I say he gets traded to the Celtics, even though I don't think that'd be a great trade for the Celtics. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I have for this episode. Um, next episode, well, I will be coming out with a Naruto recap episode, 20, uh, 21 to 25. Uh, we already finished recording that. It, it's just, it'll just take a little bit for me to put everything together, some editing. So that'll be coming out soon. And next week, hopefully, we can actually do Dallas versus uh, Kings 2003, um, game one. Um, 
the recap the i mean the what's it called the king's rewind so yeah look forward um look forward to that um and yeah thank you guys for listening to just me ramble on about honestly not much news um ramble on about nothing um yeah so hopefully you guys have a great rest of your evening and we'll see you or i'll see you guys on the next episode for sure and hopefully fong will be here to see you guys too